0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the NBCSports.com College Basketball Talk Podcast. It is Monday morning, February 6th, the day after the Super Bowl, and I have Jeff Goodman uh, here with me. Um, Jeff, what's going on? Man, have, you, have you worked off that hangover from last night yet?
1: I just want to know who canceled. Who canceled on this podcast for me to be on like twice in the last three, three weeks?
0: I'm, I'm not going to say that it was Brian Snow, but it might have been Brian Snow.
1: I mean, first of all, why would you have Brian Snow on? That's that's the number one thing.
0: We do a podcast every year called Why Your Team Sucks, which is perfect for him because he's really angry and he loves explaining how everybody in the world is is terrible. So I bring him on for that. Um, But maybe not anymore, man. Maybe not anymore.
1: So he's too hungover from the the Patriots' uh, victory last night, uh, which was ridiculous, by the way. Obviously, I I live here, and uh, prior to my – uh, job as a, as a college basketball and actually recruiting writer. Uh, I covered plenty of Bill Belichick press conferences, uh, plenty of New England Patriots games. So, uh, um, you know, kind of interesting just to see the rise uh, of it, it, And I'm not, I'm not going to admit this, but, but I will say I'm staring at a story that I wrote as a freelancer. And I'm looking at it right now on my wall. July 28, 2002. And the headline is cool hand fluke. And it's after Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, uh, the first year. For the Washington Post I wrote it, and whether Tom Tom Brady was a fluke, going to be a fluke or not. How about that? I don't want to admit that to anybody. Did you say that he be a fluke? I didn't really say that's the headline. I just said like, listen, this guy came in for for Drew Bledsoe and we don't know. We don't know yet. And man, uh if I did, i got to read the story exactly. I'm just looking at it right now. I you called him a probably, fluke, didn't
0: you? You did. <laughs> I've probably read fluke. it
1: since I wrote it. I think I might have called him a fluke. Showed <laughs> you how much I know. Just like college hoops, right?
0: That's why you stuck to basketball, right?
1: Uh, yeah, and that may not work out. So you know, I may have to move on to hockey soon, or move back to hockey soon.
0: All right. So before we get into everything that happened this weekend, let me ask you this question: What was the better uh, championship game to happen in? What NRG Stadium is that? What it is now? Energy. They're trying to get NRG, clever. Honest. Yeah, yeah. The the Super Bowl last night, or the national title game where Chris Jenkins hit the buzzer beater?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, take your pick. I think the Super Bowl, just because. Uh, of how it went down in the second half. The Super Bowl was boring in the first half. It was boring. Now, I guess maybe not if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, but overall it was kind of boring in the first half. And then I remember saying to my wife, I'm like, "Listen, if if they can if they can hold coming out of second half and then score, put a little bit of pressure on them and you know, my wife and daughter really weren't watching it and then all of a sudden it just started to gain steam and then you knew like with pressure, how would they react? And as it got closer, you knew how Tom Brady was going to react. So it just it just kind of worked out for them. Uh, I feel bad for Matt Ryan, who the BC product, who's as good a, a, a kid as, He's not a kid anymore, thirty one. Uh, a good as good a guy. You just I can't believe he took that sack. I can't believe they threw the ball. You know, uh, Shanahan. You know. Made the call to throw the ball in that situation and to further it, that you know, Matt Ryan didn't just throw it away at that point. I mean, you, you game's over, game's over, all they're gonna do is get the field goal, game is over.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll go one further with you. The game was worse than boring. I'd left the Super Bowl party that I was at right before Did halftime. you really. Yeah, because we were with, you left, yeah, we were at my buddy's house and we were trying wow. to get my uh, my one year old to go to sleep upstairs. And he wasn't really having it. So we were like, "Look, it's it's a blowout. Like this game's boring. Like let's just go home." So we left like right before the end of halftime. And since halftime was so long, we literally got home like as the second half started. And I kind of barely watched the third quarter. And then it got close in the fourth. And I was like, "I mean, what else am I going to do? You know, watch the last one of the Wahlbergs? They showed it right. Yeah, he left. One of the Wahlbergs left. left.
1: I mean, that's horrible. Like, like think about that. And you left and missed. Uh, Now maybe he ran back in." I wonder if he could have got back in because you leave it. If you're, you if you're Mark Wahlberg, that.
0: you can get back into – you probably don't even need a ticket to the Super Bowl.
1: Was it Mark? Was it – it depends. Was it Mark or Donnie? It was Mark. Like, Mark's got more juice. He could probably get in. I don't know if Donnie can get back in.
0: I don't know. I wouldn't You know, to, I wouldn't – you spend, like, what, $5,000 on a ticket to the Super Bowl? Like, I'm staying for yeah, the well, whole what thing. Do,
1: what do you think five grand is for him? Still, it's $5,000. like dollars $5, $5 for
0: you. It's, yeah, true, I guess. You know? Probably less. It's probably like a nickel for me. It probably is worth about a <laughs> nickel for you. That's true. I gotta disagree with you though, man. I, w- I would say that the uh, the college basketball title game was better, just because it was a well, better I, game throughout. And like it was, we had like the the so a, a fun comeback is one thing, but the thing that was great about the national title game was that not only you had this like unbelievable shot that Marcus Page made, but then you had a we've never seen a buzzer beater. You know, a game winner like that in the national title game before, and and I, I, NFL nothing... is
1: just at a different level, Rob. That's the only no, no, thing. No, NFL is there. at a I'm different level, there. and and the comeback is something that will never be seen again to me. Where you know a last second shot will be seen again. I like. I don't think we'll ever see that again in NFL history. A team digging back from from that many down and looking like they were completely dominated. And coming back, so yes, overall was the game better? No doubt, because again, it was close throughout in Villanova, you know, Carolina, where this one was boring in the first half, but it set up what was probably uh, the best, you know, drama uh, for a fourth quarter in NFL history in overtime, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean the the comeback was was ridiculous. Tom Brady's out of his mind. Yeah. All right, let's talk about college basketball and what happened this weekend and. You know, six top 10 teams lost. The Big 12 went crazy. Oregon looks unbelievable. Uh, Kentucky lost again. So out of everything that happened on Saturday, what was your uh, the, the biggest takeaway for you or the biggest storyline?
1: I mean, the Big 12. It had to be, right? I mean, you, you can't say any any other storyline than the fact of three Big 12 teams losing at home to non-ranked teams. I mean, like, like there's no way we could have ever seen that happening going into the day, right? I mean, First of all, Kansas losing to Iowa State at home. You're going to say there's no chance that happens. And then, you know, Baylor losing at home to Kansas State. I mean, Baylor had been arguably the best team in the country for the first, whatever it's been, three months. And then you throw in West Virginia, which rarely loses in Morgantown. I think it's the second time this year. And they lost to Oklahoma earlier this year, which was shocking. They lose again to Oklahoma State. I mean, it was just insane what happened in the Big Twelve on, on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and it all came after Kansas beat Baylor. And, and the thing about it was that Kansas went over Baylor, kind of put you in a spot where you're like, all right, you know, all Kansas has to do is just hold serve at home and you know yep. not do anything That's wrong right. and they're pretty much locked into their 13th straight Big Twelve title, right? And then they go yep. and they lose yep. to Iowa State, and you're like, wow, the door's open for Baylor now. But then Baylor goes and loses at home to Kansas State, and then you're like. Well, now West Virginia actually has a chance because they had the last tip. And they're like, yeah, this is going to be a chance for them to close the, the, the deficit. <laughs> yeah. And then they go yep. and lose at home to Oklahoma State. And, you know, the, that's probably yeah, I mean, could actually there be any the other Big 12, answer? right?
1: Could there be any other answer than the Big 12 on Saturday? What was shocking? I mean, I don't think you can come up with anything else.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, that was certainly the most surprising thing that happened. and But I would say, like, the most – because I think we all kind of knew that, like, those teams were a little bit flawed, right? So, to me – the the biggest storyline was that Oregon just beat the hell out of Arizona.
1: Yes. Obviously, the way it went down, I agree. I just think everybody was talking about how great Arizona was, right? I mean, like, they were the hip pick. People are saying, i like him to win it all now. And I'm just saying to myself, like, no, I'm not going that far. You know, they've been good since, since Trier got back. Sean Miller's done an incredible job with them, but still – Their issues are their issues, and I just don't feel like their point guard play is good enough uh, to win six straight games. Now, could it happen? Absolutely. Uh, But I remember being asked, I was on Thursday night doing studio, and and Adnan Burke asked me a couple times who I thought would win, and, and... You know, me being an Arizona alum, I knew I'm not going to make any friends. But I said, I think Oregon's going to win. And, you know, I didn't think it was going to be by 100. But but I did think they'd win in Eugene. And I think this is a team that's kind of just been under the radar all year. uh, Because really, you know, they lost Dylan Brooks early and, you know, a couple games, Baylor. We didn't know Baylor was that good, so we kind of rip, wrote him off right away. Then Georgetown and his first game back, and then recently they go on a run, but they lose to Colorado, who's been terrible this year. And we write them off again. And uh, I just think they've got most of the pieces. Everybody's flawed, but I think Oregon actually, if you look at their team and how it's constituted, they're, they're, they're less flawed than a lot of the other top teams.
0: Yeah, because they're actually playing defense. Like that was the biggest concern about them yep. heading into the year, right? They're losing Elgin Cook and they're usually losing Dwayne Benjamin, and they don't have those kind of versatile perimeter defenders. But all of a sudden now they have like they have three guards that are actually getting after it a little bit. And they, those guys, Peyton Pritchard and Dylan Ennis and Tyler Dorsey and Dylan Brooks, they know they can get out in pressure because they got Chris Boucher and, and Jordan Bell, who's been fantastic this season. Uh, you know those guys at the rim; they can erase a lot of mistakes on the perimeter. So if you want to get out in pressure and let someone try to go by you and finish over Boucher and Bell, like that's it's not an easy thing to do. And I think that right now they're actually uh, top fifteen in the country in defensive efficiency. And I did not see that coming at all.
1: Nobody did. Nobody did. We knew they would be a good offensive team because they've got a lot of weapons, right? And, and Dylan Brooks is one of the best, you know, passing forwards in in the country. Um, and Pritchard's been good because he can make shots and he takes some of the pressure off of Ennis, who's not a great point guard, but they've got like three guys that can handle the ball, right? I mean, you got Benson, Ennis, and Pritchard, all of them, and then Brooks up front who can handle the ball. Dorsey just becomes a scorer. Like you said, Jordan Bell's kind of that, that, that guy who, who, who goes in for Eldon Cook last year and fills that role. And then you got Boucher, just not a lot of teams have Chris Boucher. Right? Not a lot of teams have a guy like that who can make up uh, for any sort of perimeter mistakes.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's such an intriguing weapon because he blocks shots at the rim, but he can also like step out and hit threes. So It's amazing. So you yeah. now have basically two shot blockers on the floor, but it doesn't cost you anything on the offensive end. Like it, like Baylor right. kind of has it too, right, with Motley and, and yep. Joe a cool. Achul, yeah. I, I never get that guy's name right. Achul,
1: I think, yeah. Akeul? I go Achul, but I'm not sure if it's right.
0: So you have those two guys on Baylor, but Baylor's issue offensively is that they don't really get enough spacing. Like Manu LaComp is really the only guy you can trust to be a consistent three-point shooter. That's so right. their yep. their offense gets kind of compact, but you don't get that with Oregon at all because no. one of those guys that throws yeah. shots every like at the rim is standing outside and hitting threes. Let me ask you this. After that game, um, I think it was what, like 38-11 at one point, and, and Oregon yeah. was up 62 to 27. Like it was it, it was a joke for Arizona. Do you take away more about Oregon being really, really good, or does this say more about Arizona to you?
1: Again, I just did not have Arizona, although I have them ranked high, I just did not have them as a national title-type contending team. Okay, so, and I'm I'm not sure I still, you know, like, has it changed my perception of them? Probably not at the end of the day. I, they were playing better than I thought over the last, really, all year. I think Sean Miller's done uh, a, a phenomenal job. Oregon, to me, yes. They, they've they changed, not my perception completely, just kind of, I forgot about them a little bit. I forgot about them as a, as a legitimate... Like, if my money right now is on either Oregon or, or Arizona to win it all, I'm going to put it on Oregon.
0: Yeah, I think I would do the same. They've kind of come full circle. It's interesting to see how they went from being a team that we all trashed to being a team that, you know, they beat UCLA at home. We're like, oh yeah, Oregon's back, and then they go and lose at Colorado, and we're like, oh no, Oregon's not back again, and then they go and do this to Arizona. Well,
1: is Brooks healthy? You know, I talked to Dan Altman the other day before the game, and, uh, and, and he said, listen, i got to be very careful with Dylan Brooks the rest of the year. He barely practiced this week leading up to it, and he said, he's like he's probably not going to practice a whole heck of a lot the rest of the year because he had the, the broken foot in the offseason, and then he hurt it again. Nothing major. I think between the fourth and fifth metatarsal, he sprained it uh, a couple weeks ago. So he's got to be very careful with Dylan Brooks. And as long as Dylan Brooks is close to 100%, I, I think this is a very, very, very dangerous team
0: in March. You know what the promising, the most promising thing about that performance was? On Thursday night, like 40 hours before the tip-off against Arizona, Oregon like played a game against Arizona State where they almost lost. And Dylan Brooks scored 27 points. He scored the last 12. I think he played like 35 minutes in that game. So it's really a promising sign that he can go and play 35 minutes where they need him to do that that late in the game. And turn around two days later, it was a Thursday Saturday, which is that exactly what you're going to see in the NCAA tournament. So I think that should uh, make him feel pretty good about what his status is um, moving forward. Uh, what about UCLA in the Pac-12? Where do you, where do you stand on them still? I mean, I don't know if you we've saw forgotten the, about them. Yeah, we've forgotten we? about them. It's because they stopped defending, and then right, you know, right. you watch them. But against, they never
1: really. Defend- they never really defended great, let's be honest. They outscored people, and their defense was better than we thought it was, right? They weren't quite as soft early. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, they really didn't play anybody, right? I mean, like,
0: that's part of it, too. I mean, that was that was definitely part of it. They, But it was the win at Kentucky that kind of made us say, like, well, you know what? Maybe they didn't play all that many people, but when you go into Lexington and, and go like that right, in Lexington— right. And, and part of what the reason it was is because they actually defended in that game. You know, Ike Inabogu played well. I think Aaron Holiday did a really good job on Malik Monk. Um,
1: but aren't we seeing now that Kentucky's not that tough inside? That they're not that good? I mean, like, like Bam Adebayo is a, 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 a man-child, right? But he doesn't rebound like we thought he would. He doesn't have those instincts that he's just going outside his area and, and rebounding every ball, right? Derek Willis is soft
0: defensively. We
1: know that. Wenyon Gabriel, plays hard. He plays with energy. But he, he's really learning now how
0: and to play he's, defense. He's and, exactly what you would expect a freshman to be in college basketball. That's right.
1: He's going to be really good. Like, I love Wenyon. But everybody who – not everybody. Some people who said he was a one and done, it, it was, like, comical. Like, come on. He's not he, – he, He's and he's a four trying to be a three. When really, I've said it all along, he should put on some weight and be an energy four. And I think that's his best chance of, of of you know flourishing at the next level at some point. But there's no rush for Wayne and Gabriel. Yeah, None. I mean,
0: he's got to put on weight, and he's got to be more than just... Like, at this point, he's a guy that can make a three instead of a three-point shooter. I don't think right. he really has a position that he can guard, because I don't think he's quite quick enough to play on the perimeter, but he's not quite physical enough to guard fours. So he's still kind of in that in-between. But, I mean, he's got the, the physical tools. Let's talk about Kentucky. How... I mean, obviously, they kind of got their, uh, their tails kicked at Florida. Yeah. Um, and I think that says a little bit more about Florida than it does about Kentucky because I'm still not convinced that De'Aaron Fox is completely healthy. But this team has now lost, uh, I think it's three out of four. Three out of four. And they yeah. needed Malik Monk to score 31 points in the second half at home against Georgia to avoid losing to a NIT-bound Bulldogs team. What is wrong with this Kentucky team to you?
1: No, they should have lost to Georgia. I mean, let's be honest, like, Georgia should have won that game. There's no doubt. They were out, you know, Kentucky was outplayed for for a good portion of it, so you're right. Um, I I think the problem is, again, you're so reliant on those two guards, and I I don't think anything's changed from what I think is is Malik Monk. If he doesn't score at a high level, they don't have anybody else that really can. They don't have anybody else who can make a shot from the perimeter consistently. Derek Willis can do it at times. But he is a defensive liability and a liability for toughness reasons, too. So the pieces don't fit together great because you've got De'Aaron Fox and Briscoe that can't really make a shot from the perimeter. And that was the difference, I thought, last year with, like, Eulis. Like, Eulis could make a shot from the perimeter, and when they lost him and put in De'Aaron Fox, that was my biggest concern with this team. Is, and Malik Monk, while he shot it way better, than we thought he would, right? From the perimeter, way. I mean, his numbers, I don't even know what he's shooting now from three. I'm looking it up as we speak. I think it's 41%. 41%. I mean, listen, we both thought, I, I think, that he'd be a 35% three point shooter this year. But it is streaky. And when he's not making them and settling instead of driving to the basket, which he could do whenever he wants and get there, then this Kentucky team is just, they're, they're average. Because Briscoe's not like. The the whole Briscoe thing was comical early, early in the year. Kentucky fans saying, like, no, this guy's a National Player of the Year candidate. Look at what he's doing. But most of it, not all of it, I mean, he had a great game against Michigan State. Most of it was happening against low major competition that he could physically overpower teams. And now we're seeing it. Like, he's got no lift. What does he do great? He competes. He does. He competes. He rebounds well for a guard. But, you know, he's just okay and he doesn't make shots his shot really has gotten no better
0: yeah and and that's the biggest concern is that he can't make a jump shot when you have two guys like that on your perimeter that can't make jump shots and you have a a five man who is basically like a kind of like a turn and dunk kind of guy and then you're four you either got to deal with a guy that can't defend but hit shots or a guy that isn't really a shooter but can kind of do some things at the defensive end like it puts you in a tough position and I think what we're seeing like you mentioned that don't you think you
1: go with willis rob don't you think you just say i'm going to to go with Derek willis and we're going to try to outscore people and hopefully willis will give us more in the offensive end than he'll cost us on the defensive end
0: i think you have to and 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 try to just get out and really apply pressure on the perimeter with those guards because if you do that then it can kind of take away a little bit like you you can hide willis on whoever you know whoever is the, the weak link on that that team um Offensively, and just say, "Look, dude, just just don't give up open shots. Don't get beat off the dribble, and, and try to box somebody out, and then knock down the threes that you get on the other end of the floor, and then hope that the other guys can kind of make up for their mistakes." Because, I mean, Fox is a really, really good defender, and Briscoe is a really good versatile yep. defender, and Bam yep. Adebayo, in theory, That's should be strength. able to block some shots. So, right. you know, I, I think that you have to go with Willis Create at this point.
1: Create easy opportunities and in, in, in get out in transition. That's where, obviously, De'Aaron Fox is at its best, right? I mean, we saw it against Georgia. Like, they're half the team with, with without De'Aaron Fox, and they are with him. But it's it's like Monk and Fox cannot have an off night. in Kentucky, they just can't. They can't have an off night. De'Aaron Fox, does it. that doesn't mean he's got to score and, and make shots from the perimeter, but neither can have an off night because if they do – they're vulnerable against just about anybody, including Georgia and Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and the other issue is that when you don't have Willis on the floor and you don't have all those shooters, you they, they really can't do anything in the half court offensively. And you know, I, I think to me the biggest thing is they've kind of been figured out, right? And this this happens with teams like as long you don't let De'Aaron Fox turn the corner going to his left, you don't yep. like you you don't lose contact with Malik Monk. You make him have to take tough shots to make tough shots. And if he's going to do that and beat you, it's going to happen sometimes, but. Just make it difficult for him and sink in on Bam Adebayo. You don't have to guard Fox on the perimeter. You don't have to guard Briscoe on the perimeter. If you sink in yep. on him and don't let him overpower people in the post, they, they can't do anything in the half court offensively. And if you take that away, it kind of kills them a little bit because it, it's almost like they don't – I don't want to say like they don't have that kind of like mental toughness or physicality, but I, I think what we saw against Florida a little bit was they kind of took a punch and I don't. they didn't really seem to know how to answer it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, because they, they, you know, right now you're facing adversity. It's like Baylor, right? I mean, you haven't faced that much all year, Some, but not that much. And all of a sudden, you're facing it, and you're you're pressing a little bit. And you, you know, he does have young kids. I mean, that you know, we all get tired of hearing it. I got freshmen. I got freshmen. I got freshmen. Well, you signed up for it, but they are young. They are young, and it's hard for them to play catch up to a team like Florida. Casey Hill is a senior. You know, he's a senior. He's Obviously, he's got however many more games than De'Aaron Fox. Um, So, you know, in a home environment, too, it's tough to win on the road if you're young. You get down, and you're playing against a veteran team like that, in which Florida understands how big this game is, right? Game day, uh, Kentucky coming in. um, and, And Kentucky is flawed to some extent, you know, and they don't have a great bench. I mean, that's the other part right now is, like, look at their bench and, Isaac Humphries doesn't do anything. Sasha Kalea-Jones doesn't play even when he's healthy, right? Ty Wynyard like like these dudes. Michael Mulder, yeah, he can make a shot, but he barely plays. I mean, they're like they're like a six-man team right now.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think that they're broken. I just think we've seen this with a lot of teams this year, right? Like Kansas, it, we learned pretty quickly they don't really have the depth inside and you can beat them there. Right, so right. what did Bill Self do? He made the adjustment where they started playing some 2-3 zone, right? With, uh, with with UCLA, you know, we figured out that they can't really play defense. What's the adjustment yep. there? you got to get some of your better defenders on the floor um, for more time. Like with Duke, when they, we found out that they can't play with two big men once Harry Giles and Marquise Bolton came back. So what yeah. was the adjustment yeah. they made? They went to small ball, and they're playing small. Jason Tatum yeah. at the four. So the question yep. is, like, now we figured out that Kentucky has these issues – and how do you everyone, solve it? Yeah. And everyone's figured it out. So now how do you adjust that? There's too many talented basketball players on that team for them to <sighs> be as bad as they are right now. So I think that, that a fix is going to come And Like, here's the other thing about it, dude. Like there's, there aren't any, like everyone in college basketball stinks this year. I feel like,
1: well, they're all flaws. I don't, I, I don't want to say stinks. Cause, cause again, I, I think there's a lot of good teams. There's just not a great team. I mean, I saw Villanova and Louisville in the last four days in person. And, uh, and I like both of them. I actually really like Louisville right now with Donovan Mitchell running the point. And I never thought I'd say that. But he, he's, he's way better at the point than I ever thought he was. And not only that, you know, when you get a guy playing a position they're not used to, and he, I asked him, he's barely played it over the course of his career and his life. And he's making shots, too, shooting the ball at the clip he's shooting. So he looks more comfortable at the point mentally and, and they're doing in the middle of the season when Quentin Snyder went down, if they can make shots, and I was talking to Patino about this after the game, and I said, like, you know, do you think this is just something where, where Donovan's just making him, but he's going to come down to earth? And he was like, no, no, no. I, he shoots the ball like this in practice all the time, and now he's got confidence with whatever he's doing right now. You know, he's just – he's got – ultra confidence that he, he's the best player on the court now and he's not thinking about coming out of the game or whatever uh, if he makes a mistake so I, I think Louisville is now a team that we can safely put in the conversation as one that because of Rick Pitino and because they're making shots from the perimeter uh, that has a chance
0: you know you're saying this and you know what's going to happen tonight they're going to get, get smoked. blasted they're going to get smoked yeah. they don't but have don't a care. point guard I- They don't have Dangadell. They don't have Mango Mathing. They have seven scholarship players, and they're going to play at Virginia, who beat them by like, I don't know what the final score was, but they were up by like 21 in the second half at the Yum Center. Virginia is 4-1 against Louisville. Patino has no idea what to do against that that pack line defense. And so you're sitting here hyping them up, and they're going to lose by like 30 tonight.
1: I I don't care. I mean, my take is, I don't necessarily look at the records for this year at all. I'm looking at how the team is constituted and whether they're going to be apt to deal with tough matchups come March. And I think Louisville, there aren't that many teams that scare me that, that they can play against when they're full again, without, without dang Adele, and 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 nothing like it's going to be different they're down to seven dudes so i'm not i'm not worried about them winning in charlottesville you're playing with house money if you win that game
0: yeah i still think they need snyder back to reach their ceiling but i'll tell you what i i think that not having him there is something that's been really good for mitchell because like you said it's allowed him to kind of it's forced him to to kind of be like hey look man like you got to start taking over and and he has and now he's seen that he can do it and I think the confidence thing, like that's, that's half as important as having the ability, right? Is believing that you can actually do it. And I think that that's kind of, uh, kind of hit him in a little bit real quick. I want to go back, Florida, what's your take on them? How good are they? Can they actually like compete in the sec and who's going to win that conference title, Kentucky, South Carolina, or Florida?
1: Well, of course they can compete in the sec. I mean, half the league stinks. So yes, they can compete in the sec. Um, And again, experience is huge right now. And I, I love Allen. I mean, I do. I love him. I think he's kind of the you know silent assassin type. Uh, Doesn't say a word, but just you know. And and they're balanced. They got they got older dudes. Canyon Barry's in his like eighth year in college. Casey Hill. It seems like he was in the McDonald's game in like 2004. Uh, You know, and the front line's talented. Right? Bunu's talented. Devin Robinson is talented. So again. Their pieces fit well together. I just, I'm not a believer that their point guard play is going to be good enough that they can make a run in March. At the end of the day, I just think Casey Hill's a really good backup and, and Chris Hughes is a really good backup. And they're going to have their days like they did against Kentucky where they're going to look really good. And then they're going to have the days where they can't make a shot. Um, so in the SEC, you know, whether they're one, two, or three, I just think the SEC's just. Okay, even at the top, and and the top looks better than it does, because let's face it, the bottom stinks right now. Missouri stinks, LSU stinks, Vanderbilt's not very good. Texas A&M doesn't have a point guard. Um, you know, then you got mediocrity in the middle, right? I mean, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas. Al- Arkansas is seventeen and six, and they haven't beaten anybody.
0: And they lost to Missouri on Saturday. Correct. That's right. not a good loss. It's a
1: three-bid league. In my opinion, it should be a three-bid league. Does that mean they might get a fourth? Maybe our, uh, the bubble's bad, too, so maybe Arkansas backs in. I don't know.
0: Arkansas, to me, is in that same position as like some of those mid-majors like uh, UNC Wilmington and Wichita State and Illinois State. I'd where
1: much rather see those teams, wouldn't
0: you? I would, but I rather think that reward they're, all, those teams. they're all in the tournament right now because all of the bubble teams in the good leagues haven't had a chance to kind of build up their resume yet. Um, like right. a, like a Syracuse for example. Look at all the wins that they've gotten in the last two weeks. Yeah. and if they keep they come out of nowhere them, now, that, that right? Was, right. That, on, I, that team makes no sense to me, man. They look great at the start of the year. They look horrible for like a full month, and they come back and you know the 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 win against Virginia that they had on Saturday. Like, how many times has Virginia blown a twelve point lead at halftime? Like, that can't happen all that often.
1: Well, two, two against them in the last however many months. Yeah, and, yeah, right. And that one that one meant nothing compared to the, the previous one, obviously, with the Final Four in the line.
0: Yeah. And how about Andrew White? I, I think uh, there was a while where he was, like, the guy that people were kind of blaming this on for, for Syracuse, like saying, yeah. like, Andrew White's not a winner or whatever. Like, I've, I've heard that a couple times. But yep. Yep. in the last four games, he's averaging 26 points.
1: He could score. Like, we know that. He can score. I just feel like, again, with, with Syracuse, it was uh, point guard play was really costing them early in, in, in league play. Um, really. It, and, and again, I mean, you know, they had some, some losses that were just befuddling. Like, you, you don't lose at home to, you know, St. John's. At home to Boston St. John's College. by
0: 33 points. What? Right. What? That
1: was the game where we were all like, what the hell is going on with this Syracuse team? But, but when you look at them. Again, you say to yourself, what don't they have, right? I mean, they've got good wings. You know that. They've got pretty good front court. Not great, but like Tyler Lydon's pretty darn good, and Thompson, the freshman,'s played well, and Roverson's a, a veteran. Roberson's like
0: getting, uh, getting rebounds the way he has to, to rebound.
1: Right. So it's, it's really the only thing you question with them was point guard play. And again, it starts for me with point guard play. If you don't have it, you're going to be up and down this year. And, and that's what we've seen for most of these teams, whether it's Duke, whether it's Syracuse, uh, whoever it is, we're seeing it, you know, and, and the, the teams with good point guard play are at the top right now. I mean, look at Gonzaga. Nigel Williams-Goss has played really, really, really well. Look at Villanova. Jalen Brunson has played terrific. Uh, Kansas has two of them, right? You know, there's, there's some exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, every team up, up towards the top – Monzo Ball, Lonnie uh, yeah, Bronson, Joel Berry. It, 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 everybody's got it for the most part, and the teams that don't are the teams that are struggling or up and down. Butler, good example, right? Duke, good example. Uh, I think you know Arizona has been fortunate to avoid it, and their point guard plays probably. Look at Creighton now. Creighton and Xavier, without point guards, they're going to get a big win and then follow it up with a loss that you're going to shake your head.
0: And and to your Arizona point, I think that they have been a little bit up and more up and down in conference. And people might realize, but since the bottom of the Pat twelve isn't all that good, you can kind of hide it a little bit with, um, yeah. with like a ten point. And Kadeem Allen's been good. He's been listen. Serviceable, Kadeem Allen good he's a good role player, but he's not a point guard. Yes.
1: No, he's had a hell of a year, and and really for a team that, that wants to win it all, if he's your first guard coming off the bench and it can be your combo, you're you're, you're terrific.
0: All right. Uh, last thing I want to do here, Goodman, is um, I put a, a thing out on Twitter telling people that we were bringing you on the podcast and to fire off questions that uh, that people want to have you answer. So we got some good ones here, um, and I'm going to start. Are you they off. X-rated?
1: Any no, the no, X-rated no, no. Ones?
0: Well, I'm not going to ask you any of the X-rated ones. Uh, All right. All right. You,
1: you want to, you want me to keep my job at ESPN?
0: Well, I would rather have your job. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me if you, you, you knew you, so you could move sw- in,
0: so I could swoop right if- in there.
1: Right. If you knew you could move in, you would ask the X-ray of the questions.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you I would get me fired. Too. You would
1: have no issue, absolutely, you know, getting me fired if you knew you could get my job. But if if not, you're gonna you're gonna back
0: off. If I could have gotten you fired, I would have done it already. All right. Well, that's that's <laughs> nice to know.
1: That's that's very nice to know. For the next time I see you, I will not be buying beers. So you just cost yourself. That's a blow. That's a, in, blow. In, that's in a blow right there.
0: That's a blow right there. Yeah, and I
1: got some good Listen, I got some good establishments already picked out. Remember? Yeah, yeah you better, I went man. You're from down the road. You moved to
0: college out there.
1: Correct. Not that far. I used to go to Scottsdale quite a bit from Tucson, so uh, you know, that was like 100 years ago, so they may not be in business anymore though.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't know if I want to go to the places that you went when you were in college.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're way too good for those places.
0: <laughs> I'm not too good for much, but I'm probably too good for those places. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start you off with an easy one. If Gonzaga finishes undefeated in that joke of a conference, should they get the number one overall seed?
1: Uh, yes, I, I do think so, because um, the joke of a conference still has to to, to go to Moragon next week. And St. Mary's is a legitimate top 20, top 25 team for me. Uh, Gonzaga's also, oh, by the way, beaten Florida, who now looks pretty good, Arizona, who looks really good, and Iowa State that's a... Tournament team now after beating Kansas and Fogg Allen,
0: they also beat Tennessee, who beat Kentucky, and they also beat Colorado, who has wins over Xavier and Oregon.
1: And it's no joke going to BYU. No, nope. by the way, BYU is not great this year, but it is no joke winning in Provo with all those insane fans there. So I would say yes, if they run the table, Gonzaga should be the number one overall seed.
0: All right, this next question comes from Mark Titus of Club Trillium Fame. He wants to know if you think that Scott Drew is a good coach. Uh,
1: I think Scott Drew's gotten way, way better. Uh, And you know what it is? Here's what I – I don't want to avoid the question, but I'm probably going to. Scott Drew, I give him credit because – and Billy Donovan did this years ago. When I first met Billy Donovan, uh, I was a recruiting guy. And he used to literally have a conference call – and have me call in with all his coaches on a conference call and ask a bunch of questions about recruits. And I, I was, like, taken aback by it. I was like, wow, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer one day, like one of the best coaches, and he's doing this. He's he's getting as much info as he can. And if he did it with me, he did it with way more important people who have way more knowledge than me about other things. Scott Drew, I have seen it happen over and over and over where he'll pick the brain of every coach he can in order to get better at, at his craft. And I think we all looked at Scott Drew, uh, and, and, and we heard it. You know, He's a cheater. He can't coach. Uh, and I think you know, NCAA went in for like a year, and they really didn't find anything. And this guy, if you look at his track record at one of the most difficult jobs in America, in Waco, and what he inherited, uh, you've got to give him a lot of credit. Having said that, is he an elite X's and O's guy? No, I think there's there's guys out there certainly that are a lot better than him, and he would admit that. He's not Rick Pitino, Uh, you know. He's not Tom Izzo. He's not one of those guys yet. But man, he's not the coach that we made him out to be either. Where he can't, you know, he can't diagram a play at the end of a game, and he's done it now with non top 100 players where before it was like oh well he's got Isaiah Austin and Quincy Miller and and all these top guys and now he you know he, he's doing it Perry Jones now he's doing it with a bunch of guys that frankly nobody else wanted
0: i mean he's not Johnny Jones right and i think you're right he's not no, he's not I one of the know. elite coaches but he's not terrible and the thing i'll 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 say this the job that he did building not rebuilding but building the Baylor program after the scandal they had to deal with with Dave Bliss gone is is the single best building job that I think ever happened in the history of college sports. I don't know if there's been a better one. Maybe you know Jim Calhoun at UConn, but that, I mean that yep. that happened with the uh, you know with the the start of the Big East, or maybe Lou Olson at Arizona because I don't think Arizona was really all that good before he got there. They weren't. But in terms of what Scott, but King have you has been done, to Waco?
1: Have you ever been to Waco?
0: No, and that's the point. Like whoever goes oh, to Waco for, for college basketball stuff, and it, it's not even like. I think now they're starting to sell it out a little bit. But it's not like oh, that, they weren't. that Baylor program, like even a couple of years ago, they were getting like 5,000 people a game. It's not like the, it, it, he Rob, I was it.
1: there. I was there for the Kansas game two years ago. And it was like three quarters full, maybe. Maybe. I mean, like, right. He doesn't get enough credit. So, Mark Titus, back off.
0: all right this comes from uh at Ilmatic dmv he goes regarding your hot seat ranking you alluded to jt3 being safe because of jt2 and he wants to know your take on jt3's job security
1: Uh, as long as big john is there and, and, and involved in that georgetown program i think jt3 is safe however however the only thing i'll say to that is like listen if he's got another year like this year, next year? That would be three straight. Okay? And do people come out and make it almost impossible even for Big John to save him? At some point, when is it enough enough? And when do you just kind of say to yourself, hey, this is Georgetown. We shouldn't just be going to the NCAA tournament. We should be actually doing something in the NCAA tournament. Remember, they haven't gotten past the first weekend since the Final Four in 2007. And... and they had you know, five right out of six now,
0: years where they lost to a double-digit seed in the tournament,
1: and they're relying on a Robert Morris transfer. He's their best player right now. That's, now, that's twenty-five. Great. Rodney Pryor, right? Yep. I love Rodney Pryor, but that's not what you should be doing at Georgetown. You should be, you know, you should be recruiting studs. Uh, you should be going to the tournament every year. And, and again, I'm not saying you should be going to the Sweet Sixteen every year at Georgetown. Uh, I'm saying. You should have got at least once over the last 10 years, and you haven't. And now I think it's going to be three of the last four years maybe that they have not gone to the NCAA tournament. Uh, When is enough enough? You know, you can't find out the the contract info from Georgetown on JT3. I have no idea. I've tried in a million different ways to find out. I can't, so I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it matters other than the buyout. I always say this, like, listen, contract extensions – are generally meaningless, okay? Generally, they're meaningless. Um, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of guaranteed money in some of them, but a lot of them are phony, and all that matters is really the buyout. How much money would it cost to buy out that coach? Um, you know, if it's, you know, like Tom Crean's goes from $4 million to to $1 on July 1st. Well, it was $7.5 million last year. $4 million, Indiana could probably raise if they want to. So it's really about the buyouts, not the contract extension or, or where, where their contract is uh, runs through.
0: Yeah, the, the only thing I'll say is this. This year, I don't think there's any chance that he ends up getting fired no matter what happens no. because in October, they opened up the Thompson Center, which was a right. $62 million renovation oh, that beautiful. has taken the last two years. And they're on-campus facility. And as soon as you walk in the front door, there's a 12-foot bronze statue of John Thompson Jr., that opened up in October. You're not going to fire the co- the son of the guy that's in that statue six months after you just opened up a $62 million renovation. That's just not how uh, college in, basketball works. In was.
1: fairness, in fairness to JT three, prior to having that, the facilities uh, were not on par with a lot of the other
0: schools no, in the Big East. A, it wasn't so, on par to a lot of the schools and yeah. like they, like Catholic Mid-Bayern. University, the Division three. Like their on campus gym. That's right. Was was it was like a high school gym.
1: But but, but, having said that, we can't make an excuse for the product on the court. They've gotten good enough players, right they've gotten the talent has been good enough to do more than what they've done over the last three years
0: yeah, yeah he's he's underachieved, and that's without question. I got a lot of questions actually, about people asking why you hate insert coach or insert team, and the most interesting one to me was, why do you hate St. John's and Chris Mullins so much?
1: All right, so I don't. I really don't. Um, this, this really came from uh, last year, early in the season. I was at the tournament at the Hall of Fame in, uh, at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, and I probably had lost some money before the game playing blackjack or something, so I was probably frustrated. Uh, and, and I'm just watching St. John's, and I'm watching this young kid, uh, Greg St. Jean, who who then I believe was 26 years old as an assistant coach, and this dude is, like, ramping it up on the sideline. First-year assistant coach has never been, you know. And Chris Mullen is just sitting there on the scorer's table like, like I don't know, like he's, he's in the park on a park bench. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, Chris Mullen should be coaching this team. And then, so I sat behind the bench. I did. I sat behind the bench for most of the game because I was just so intrigued by what was going on or what what wasn't going on with Chris Mullen. And I'm watching St. Jean diagram all the place in the huddles. And Mullen again just kind of sit there and and, and during the game do very, very little. So I, I just, you know, I kind of tweeted it out and St. John's fans killed me for it and then I would tweet it out again and I, I just feel like, you know, Greg St. Jean as a twenty six year old, like people will People then drew the comparison. They said, well, why don't you hammer Florida State? Because Stan Jones, the assistant, does everything, and Leonard Hamilton just stands there. And my deal on that was, like, Stan Jones has been with Leonard Hamilton for, like, 25 years. Stan Jones has, like, been in this industry for, like, 35 years. And Greg St. Jean is a rookie assistant coach at 26 years old, and he's just out of his mind. Like, more than almost any assistant coach I've ever seen, and then you put it to where he's 26 and he's in his first year, and the Hall of Famer on the bench as a head coach isn't doing a damn thing, or at least it doesn't look like he's doing a damn thing. I was just so intrigued by it that I have you know, now taken it to a different level where I do kind of have a little bit too much fun. But I have fun, period. Like That's the thing is people don't understand. On Twitter, Like, yes, I try to provide information, and I try to have fun because, listen, our
0: jobs—you
1: uh, can't take them too seriously. I mean, you can't. You try again.
0: We talk about sports and tweet about sports. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, come on,
1: come on. I mean, this is this is fun. You should have fun. If you don't, you're in the wrong line of work. And do I poke the bear sometimes? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because the fan bases, i don't know—some of them, most of them. Listen, they hate me at Arizona right now. Hate
0: me. That was one of the people that asked me a question. Why do you hate Arizona so much?
1: I wrote a story about Alonzo Trier like <laughs> like he failed the test for PDs. So I wrote the story. It was the worst kept secret in college basketball. I can't believe you never wrote it first, Doster, and you know, I blame you or everybody else cuz everybody knew it, right? Everybody knew it.
0: Yeah, I mean it wasn't a secret at all. All right, I know you got to go, so let me let me. I got three more real quick that I want to yeah. ask you. Uh, the first one is Ted Flint, Kansas wants to know what it would take to get your HBO Go password.
1: Oh, I'll give it to him absolutely. Tell him, to, <laughs> tell him to just you know direct message me. You know I I screwed up, so I don't know why I have it. I hit something now where anybody can direct message me.
0: Yeah, I have the same it's thing. It's the worst I turned,
1: thing that ever happened.
0: I put my, uh, I, I opened my DMs. You can close them. You did I'll, too? I'll show you how to do it. It's it's really easy. Yeah, I do it. It's it's kind of interesting. Did you keep it? Yeah, I kept it that way. I did it I did it intentionally. It's uh, it's interesting to see what pops in there. Sometimes you get the spam oh bots. My God. Sometimes the porn bots hop in your DMs. And uh, a lot of times it's angry fans too.
1: It's actually interesting, but it's like, man, I get so many now. And uh, just clearing them out. Like some of them are like, I don't even know what they are. I mean, they're—I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, tell him to hit me up, and he can, he can absolutely have any password. Well, not any password. I don't. I don't need him getting it to Twitter.
0: Do you use Jeff Borzello's login too? Is that what it is? Is that why you're giving it out? So, exactly. So freely? That's
1: exactly why I'm giving it out. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. I don't um, care. Mike X UK wants to know if Bill Self wears a hairpiece.
1: You know, it's obviously something that's been discussed. I don't don't know. I mean, I haven't grabbed it. I don't know. Uh, I think that would be a little bit over the top if I tried to grab it or ask Bill Self, but, uh, everybody, you know, a lot of people have heard about it and you look at pictures, I don't know if it's a hair piece or just, you know, I know other people that that have used the stuff that kind of your hair grows back. I'm probably going to need it soon. I mean, right now, somebody asked me if I had frosted tips or something that, you know, like I've done something (laughs) with a gray hair. No, it's gray. It's gray. And, Hopefully I won't need Rogaine or whatever that, that stuff is.
0: All right. The last one I got for you is from NJJ Hawk and he said, uh, ask Goodman why he's such an ass. <laughs>
1: I don't know how to respond to that. I mean, what, I'm, I'm expecting you as a friend to defend me about these comments. I mean, I, listen. I said,
0: I said he's not an ass. He's a very nice guy. Yeah. He comes I on mean, my podcast like I, all the time.
1: I really am. I mean, I'm not a bad guy I just again I love having fun with fans I love interacting and uh you do too I mean this this is this is part of what makes our jobs great isn't it because we could easily be on the other side and be a fan easily I I know how lucky I am to have my job and to me again will I say some things that people are like hey you're you're like a 13 year old girl like you know you're petty and and you're not professional and I get it. I get it. But times have changed, right? I mean, times have changed. News is not what it used to be. It's changed to so whereas when I came up and through the Associated Press, news was news. Now news is a crazy video, uh, you know, something that'll blow up on social media,
0: um, those types of things. potentially tripping, tri- uh, potentially tripping someone. That was hard for me to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, everything's changed. So, yes, my job isn't what it, what it used to be. Your job isn't what it used to be. It, it's constantly evolving. Uh, and I know I can come across as an ass sometimes, uh, especially on Twitter. But, man, like I said, our jobs, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Uh, we know I, I think we both know how lucky we are to have it and that there's thousands of people that can do our jobs as well, if not better. And, and the key to it is just working hard and you know, hopefully, again, hopefully, fans respect that, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, and, and hopefully, our bosses don't realize that there are people that can do our jobs better than us, so we can keep them.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe you should delete that.
0: <laughs> all right, all right, Jeff. Man, look, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I know you got to get to a radio interview. So, as always, guys, you can follow him on Twitter at Goodman ESPN. If you want to download this podcast, uh, you can do it in iTunes. Please rate and review it. It's the best way to get us uh, a, a bigger audience within the app it helps the metrics out a lot so we would appreciate if you do that goodman it's always a pleasure man
1: beers are on you and Glenda, you got it brother let's jump into pepper's world of play look for spring flowers Hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Pepper play sets. Pepper Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.